ransomware operation named Hive, which had targeted over 1,500 victims worldwide and extorted over 100 million US dollars. The BBC's James Clayton has more. We hacked the hackers. That's how the FBI has described an operation which appears to have taken down one of the most notorious global hacker groups. News of the takedown first leaked on Thursday morning when Hive's website was replaced with a flashing message that said the FBI has seized this site as part of a coordinated law enforcement action taken against Hive ransomware. Hive targeted international businesses, encrypting their data and demanding massive cryptocurrency payments in return. The FBI said the group had targeted 1,500 hundred organizations and its intervention has thwarted about 130 million dollars in ransom payments. Five former police officers in Memphis, Tennessee have been taken into custody, charged with second-degree murder over the death of a black man who died three days after a traffic stop. The family of 29-year-old Tyree Nichols was shown body cam video ahead of its release tomorrow. Lawyers said he was kicked, punched and tasered less than 100 metres from his home. The officers, who are black, were fired last Friday. Steve Mulroy is the district attorney of Shelby County. Earlier today, the grand jury returned indictments against five former Memphis Police Department officers regarding the death of Tyree Nichols. They are currently in custody. While each of the five individuals played a different role in the incident in question, the actions of all of them resulted in the death of Tyree Nichols, and they are all responsible. And finally, an asteroid as big as a minibus will pass by Earth in the next few hours. It will be a particularly close approach for an object of its size, sweeping over the southern tip of South America at an altitude of about 3,500 kilometres. That's lower than many satellites orbit the Earth currently. And it was only detected last weekend by an amateur astronomer. You've been listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning all, it's TGI Friday and a very warm welcome to you. We started the working week yesterday and it's already Friday. Would all weeks were like this. It's Friday 27th of January and I'm Richard Harris. And these are your Money Talk headlines for today. US economic growth beats expectations with 2.9% rise in fourth quarter. Coming in cooler than before, but is it Goldilocks cool? Boeing pleads not guilty to a fraud conspiracy felony charge following the crashes of the Boeing 737 MAX. Tesla soars as Musk sees the chance at making 2 million cars in 2023. And Hong Kong exports fall a huge 29% in December, extending eight months of declines. It's the lowest for 70 years. Well, that's even older than I am. Our guests are sitting all around the world today, so fingers crossed that the phone lines hold up. We have our regular Friday guest, Andrew Ferris, who's CEO at Ignognus Advisory, and he's currently sitting in Uruguay. And our even more regular guest, Barry Wood, who's RTHK's International Economics Correspondent in Washington, D.C. And my former colleague, Hans Gotti. Uh, Hans is in the founder and CEO of HD Research, and he's sitting in Singapore. So we'll be working through the state of the business and financial world for you for the next half hour. And don't forget, you can catch all this up on our podcast, uh, Money Talk, and you find it on the great RTHK app, RTHK On The Go. And you can find podcasts of all of our other great RTHK programs uh, on there throughout the week. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. 
Well, markets basically ignore the GDP data. Wall Street equities rose on Thursday on the news that the US economy seemed to be more resilient than expected in the last quarter of 2022. World stock markets had a good day. The MSCI World Index rose nearly 1%. The S&P was up 1.1% at 4,060. The Nasdaq 100 rose 1.76% at 11,512. And the Dow Jones was up 0.6% at 33,949. The UK FTSE 100 was up 1.5% at 7,761. And the Euro stocks was up 0.6% at 4,173. Japan's Nikkei was slightly off, uh, bucking the trend down a fraction at 27,362. But the highlight actually of yesterday was Hong Kong stocks, which surged 2.4%, or 522 points, to 22,566. And that's an 11-month high, the current rally currently being fueled by hopes over China's reopening. Main and markets were still closed for the Lunar New Year break. On the currency markets, dollar was little changed. The euro is trading at uh, 1.08. British pound is little changed at 1.24. And that's Hong Kong uh, $9.71 to the pound. The Japanese yen fell half a percent to 130.2. And the Chinese yuan is trading at 6.79. Bonds weaken a touch. The yield on the 10-year treasury uh, is now trading at 349 a bit more activity in the commodities market. Brent oil rose 1.7% to $87.6 a barrel. And gold futures fell slightly to $1,946 an ounce. On the news front, uh, it's really all about the US GDP figures. The economy logged better than expected growth of 2.9% on an annualised basis in the final quarter of 2022. And that's despite Federal Reserve rate rises. Figures were slightly higher than forecast and marked a slowdown from 3.2% growth in the third quarter. Betsy Stevenson was in President Obama's Council of Economic Advisers and she spoke to the BBC. Well, what we saw today is GDP uh, rose 2.9% in the fourth quarter, which was more than expected, um, even though these recessionary fears continue what we've seen is that u.s companies are still continuing to expand u.s consumers are still uh increasing how much they're spending and when we put all that together what that means is that um you know overall we still uh you know continue to to see the economy expanding rather than mm. contracting. So and when, that, that's important because that's the fear we have is it's going to contract and people are going to be losing jobs on that. Well, the Fed's expected to deliver a quarter point rate rise next week at its, uh, f- at its next meeting. Boeing pleaded not guilty to a fraud conspiracy felony charge following the crashes of the Boeing 737 MAX. Uh, Boeing and the U.S. Justice Department agreed to 2.5 billion compensation deal in 2021 without telling the families who received just 20% of the settlement. Tesla shares soared 11% after its fourth quarter results. The group reported record revenues up 37% ahead of last year, just ahead of expectations. And Hong Kong exports plunged 28.9% in December, the most since 1953. That extended an eight-month streak of declines. The figure was worse than expected and more severe than November's already record fall. A government spokesman said that export performance would continue to be adversely affected by weak global growth in the near term. It's currently 8-11. 
You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Well, let's have a word with our experienced guests, and I'm going to invite them just to dive in today so that I don't have any work to do on Friday. Uh, gentlemen, Andrew Ferris, CEO at the Cognis Advisory, and you're still in Uruguay, aren't you, Andrew? Indeed, yes. I, I was thinking about you uh, this week because apparently Brazil and Argentina are talking about having a monetary union and I do follow South American football a little bit and the thought of Brazil and Argentina having any sort of union seemed to be extraordinary. Yeah, well, the, the Mercosur, which is the European Union type of uh, market in Latin America, has been uh, my long-standing joke in the sense that it is a joke. It has never really been a truly functioning union. And the notion of hyperinflated Argentina joining a monetary union with Brazil is even more hilarious. It's like me substituting Messi as the forward <laughs> runner <laughs> next football team. No, yes. it won't work. <laughs> well, I'd love to carry on with the football analogies, but um, this is a business show, so we better get on with it. Uh, the man chuckling in the background was Barry Wood, RTHK's very own international economic correspondent. He's sitting in Washington, D.C. And then in Singapore, we have Hans Scotty, who's founder and CEO of HD Research. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Um, Barry, I'm going to come to you first about the GDP figures. In fact, the, the FT said the robust data reinforces hopes the U.S. economy will cool enough to satisfy the Federal Reserve's goal of slowing inflation, but not so much that it slips into recession. So it looks as if it's Goldilocks. Every, everybody's claiming victory today. How long do you think that's going to last? Well, you're right. I mean, look, this is a very good report, and it does show that the U.S. economy remains vibrant. And it's interesting because if you're growing in the fourth quarter at a 2.9% annual rate, and in the third quarter it was 3.2, and then it was down in both the first and second quarters of the year. Now, why was it down? It was down, if you think back a year, supply chain problems, COVID, war in Ukraine, energy prices were high, and U.S. inflation was high. All of those things have somewhat improved with the exception of the Ukraine war. So, yeah, I think you say Goldilocks, I would say threading the needle. If the Federal Reserve so far has succeeded, they've got the needle, the thread is almost into the needle coming, coming through, and so far so good. If they go up another 25 basis points, as is expected for next week, Maybe this good news will continue, but it's still an open question, Richard. I, I'm going to bring in Hans here because um, uh, there's one uh, school of thought which says the Fred is brilliant and they're, uh, they're doing all the right things and uh, balancing on that wire. But what do you think? Well, I think that they started normalizing policy was overdue and uh, they've done it in a very aggressive way. Now, my argument would be that uh, the effects of all this tightening that we have, which is actually quite aggressive tightening, are yet to be seen. I mean, some of it has been seen already, but I think more will be seen over the next few months. So I would not take the uh, view off the table that there's still a risk of a recession. I mean, for the following reasons. I mean, first of all, you have an inverted yield curve has been like this for more than six months. We have negative growth in money supply in real terms. And we still have the Fed 
uh, tightening into this environment, although at a slower pace potentially, but uh, still tightening. So we're not seeing a pivot yet. So we'll see. Um, we can hope for a soft landing, but I would say that the recession risks are still very much there. What do you think, Andrew? What are your thoughts on whether the Fed's doing the right thing or is it just luck? Yeah, actually, before I tell you, again, one thing, I pay zero attention on quarter-to-quarter annualized numbers. They are so utterly meaningless that I'm still surprised after all these years and after all my protestations are kind of being used. You know what it means? It means that if the GDP in the States continue to grow at the same rate it did quarter-on-quarter basis, annualized for the next three quarters, that is what it is going to be growing in a year's time. It never does. It never will. I'm speaking on year and year, and I can tell you, the American economy is slowing down. Okay, very briefly, starting for the first quarter, year and year, 37 1.8, 1.9, and now 1%. Okay, I don't need to lose time on quarterly numbers. The American economy, it ain't, a piece, it ain't accelerating. And is the Fed doing the right thing? Well, Inflation is coming down, at least in terms of CPI and more in terms of CPE. And uh, the Fed is looking to make quite sure that uh, very soon we're going to have real positive interest rates. Right now, with inflation at 6.5 and Fed funds at 4.5, we have minus 2% real interest rates. Sorry, that's not a tight monetary policy. But the game's not really over, is it? I mean, Hans uh, said a moment ago, we've not really seen the impact of higher interest rates yet. Uh, and then, Andrew, you just mentioned, of course, that inflation's still way above interest rates. So it looks as if we're some way from normalisation, uh, Andrew. I completely agree. I said, if you're telling me if the Fed is doing the right thing, if it carries an increase in interest rates, yes, it is, given that that's what it wants to do. Never mind whether inflation was a serious and it was a, th- a serious threat and so on. I'm simply judging it on its own basis, not on what I think, but what is actually happening. And Barry, what's the buzz in Washington about all this? They all seem to be patting themselves on the back overnight. Well, that's because the stock market was down so heavy in 2022, and now it's rebounded in the first three weeks of the new year. But if I can just pick up, Richard, on I agree with Hans. I mean, the danger of recession is still present. Obviously, that could occur. There's lots of uncertainties, and he mentioned some of them. As to what Andrew's saying, look, Andrew, it is true that the economy is slowing, or I think more correctly, decelerating, but there's still growth. But when you've got inflation down and you've got job creation, you still have consumer confidence. And that is really reflected in the stock market. So these numbers aren't to be dismissed. Now, you're right. For all of 2022, the U.S. economy is only up 2.1 percent. But that's a lot better than Europe. And it's a lot better than a lot of people were expecting a year ago. Yes, yeah, always better to look at uh, see how bad everybody else is. Um, uh, however... Inflation may be down, but when people go into the shops, and this is a little bit of what uh, Andrew was saying uh, a moment ago, is looking on quarter by quarter is fine, but people go into the shops and thinking, hold on, these prices are now 6 7 8% higher than they were a year ago. Uh, Hans, this is, inflation's not really coming through yet, is it? The real pain of inflation, higher prices, people needing more money. Well, that is correct. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, you have to say that there you have deflationary pressures everywhere. I mean, uh, the opening of China, for instance, is one of them. Uh, if China opens and they have opened, I would think it would ease pressure on supply chains. That, that's deflationary. 
And I would think that inflation numbers are will continue to come down <clears throat> as the economy slows. And uh, this will have a, a downward uh, pressure on earnings on uh, profit margins or, or the, let's say, you know, that, that all, all these kind of things is still still doing. So I would think that we have a, a buying opportunity in uh, long-dated bonds because long-term rates will eventually start to reflect that. I think inflation has seen the peak and um, I think we should place, uh, position ourselves accordingly. Inflation has seen the peak, Andrew? Uh, gosh, uh, you know, the Fed keeps changing in mind whether it's going CPE or CPI. And uh, the way that uh, if I was to take them on their basis, that they would like to see inflation at, uh, at about 2%. No, it hasn't picked at all. And once it hits 2%, it has to stay there for at least six months. Uh, the Fed is not going to do the same. It says, hey, it just hit 2%. Okay, we'll stop raising interest rates until we find out that next month it goes up again. So we are looking for a hard slog for over a year plus. Um, let's uh, have the, uh, somebody mentioned China a moment ago because, of course, the big buzz out here is that uh, we're likely to see revenge spending. Okay, maybe not immediately. Maybe it'll come in. How do you think China coming back onto the scene is likely to impact what we're seeing here in terms of this very carefully balanced interest rate inflation uh, model? Uh, Barry? Well, you know, look, uh, it was Hans who said that um, China opening is deflationary. And I'm, I'm sure you mean by that, Hans, that uh, the exports get onto the sea and they come into the States or into Europe and that's downward pressure on the big mass marketers. I agree with that. Certainly, China coming on stream is a tremendous plus for the world economy and it provides some balance. But uh, there's a lot of uncertainty here because on the political side, you've got a lot of opposition to what China is up to. Both Democrats and Republicans want to go after them, but they also want to keep the trade links open. So uh, another question mark. It's a pretty delicate balance, isn't it? Hans, you're in Singapore. What are, what's the view in Singapore about whether China is likely to uh, see this surge in spending or not? We have uh, Chinese households. They have amassed $2.6 trillion worth of savings during COVID. So I think some of this will definitely be spent. And I would think it's going to be on uh, services mainly. You've seen a dramatic pickup in, uh, in tourism, in, in travel, and so on. I think that's really uh, just come back from Thailand. I think there is revenge travel because the Chinese are coming back in droves, whole uh, cruise ships of them. So I would say uh, that's, that's definitely uh, upward pressure on uh, Chinese growth, which which could translate into an acceleration or, let's say, stabilization of global growth. So it's not going to be a global recession all at the same time. So I think China will make a positive contribution here. Now, actually, you're saying uh, that uh, China coming back on the scene might be deflationary. Actually, with all of that spending, that sounds as if China might be inflationary, Hans. What I'm talking about is the supply chain. I mean, the, the, the inflation we had, the bulk of it was due to supply chain disruptions. And with China opening, those will disappear. I mean, they have disappeared to some extent already. And I think this uh, will pretty much normalize. Often the source of that inflation will go away. That's, that's my argument that it's deflationary rather than inflation. Okay, where, where do we see the US dollar going in all of this? The uh, buzz in the market seems to be, oh, the dollar's on a weakening trend. Andrew, I don't know what you're seeing, uh, certainly from your 
position in the Americas. Uh, has, where's the US dollar going? Actually, strangely enough, the situation in, uh, in, in Latin America, in Latin, Latin America, basically, it is Brazil and Argentina. Okay, I mean, that, this is it, if you talk about Latin America. And we have to reluctantly also include Mexico, which is attached to the stage. Well, Brazil had an exceptionally strong year with the Real. Until uh, the middle of the year, the Real was doing absolutely gangbusters. The reason for that was big exports from Brazil. And even tiny little Uruguay, completely significant in the world case, in the world uh, stage, in the last year, the peso has increased against the US dollar almost consistently. So it's just not true that the US dollar is strong everywhere, although, mind you, it might be strong in the places where it really matters. Okay, so I do believe that the US dollar with the increases in interest rates, it will carry an increase in places where it does matter, despite the fact that Brazil to some extent and Uruguay to a great extent simply drove off in different directions. Not Brazil anymore. As for poor Argentina, can you please forget it about it? Um, a couple of years back, <laughs> yes. the peso was about 40, now it is 180. Okay, that's the official price. <laughs> Probably why they want an economic union. Uh, Barry, your, your thoughts on the dollar from where you sit? Yeah, look, I think uh, Andrew's got that right. Uh, the, the dollar is uh, going to be pretty strong where it really counts, and that would be Japan and Europe. And if, if Europe avoids a deep recession, then the, the euro should come up. I mean, it's at $1.08, but it was even lower. So the dollar is strong, and, and, and Andrew mentions higher U.S. interest rates, which, which make the currency stronger. Japan, where I was in December, gee, the yen is at 129. It went all the way to 150. There was hopes that maybe uh, it was going to strengthen towards 120. Not the case. So I think the dollar looks probably pretty good for 2023. Uh, did Japan seem cheap when you were there? Yes, it did. If you're carrying dollars, you're in good shape. Yeah, interesting, because I was in Australia where the currency is also uh, relatively depressed, and that seemed expensive. Uh, so it doesn't always mean that uh, uh, inflation and prices in your local location are, are, are that linked to maybe what the outside uh, currency is. I would beg, beg to differ, actually. The Aussie in the last six months has scrolled consistently from 16 it's like hitting 1.77 plus. That's not doing too badly, given, of course, that the relative interest rates in Aussies are not anywhere near as big as, as the Americans, although the Reserve Bank of Australia has been increasing reluctantly and slowly. I love the Aussie, incidentally. <laughs> Yes. It was always the place where all the best jokes came from because they um, uh, end up in the market with nobody to talk to on a Monday morning. Um, anyway, let's, the last uh, couple of minutes, let's talk about where uh, investors should be looking maybe between now and the end of the year. We've got this delicate balance between inflation, interest rates, US dollar maybe peaking. Um, uh, Hans, why don't you kick off for us. Where are your favorite areas for investment at the moment? Well, in the light of the slowing economy in the U.S., uh, we would stick to uh, companies with strong balance sheet, relatively low cyclicality, and then some themes like aerospace and defense, because sadly enough, this Ukraine war has led to uh, incredible defense spending, and this will continue. This is not going to go away. And then uh, thirdly, gold mining uh, is an opportunity because gold seems to have turned around. It seems to be in a new bull market and maybe corresponding with a somewhat weaker dollar going forward. 
So, uh, you know, take the treasury bonds that uh, I've mentioned that already. They look attractive uh, in the light of uh, inflation coming down and the economy slowing. And um, I, I think overall, we're going to have a, probably a trading environment in the big indexes in the, in the, in the market. So I think it's going to be a wide swing either way. We could end the year more or less where we are right now, but with, with wide swings. So it's a bit difficult to, to time this. And I think it's better to position yourself in areas that will do well in a slowing economy. Yes, Andrew, I remember last week you were talking about defence being an area people should be looking at. Defence, 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 defence. I completely agree with that. I have been writing consistently over that in the last uh, three months, and this continues to get better and better and better. Tiny little stories appear all the time, like, for example, F-16 production is going to accelerate. Abraham's tank production is going to accelerate. All these are, are very, very good news for defence companies. And incidentally, don't underestimate what's going on in Asia, because Asia has got some very big defence companies, particularly South Korea, Japan, and surprise, surprise, even India. So I'm afraid it is morally possibly repugnant, but I absolutely adore, like now, this is going to upset all of those people who were going into greenwashing uh, investment, uh, environmental, social and, and governance. Defence, of course, is a complete anathema to that kind of strategy, isn't it, Barry? Yeah. Well, I suppose it is. Look, um, I, just to stay on where you think money is to be made in 2023, I'm going to defer to the asset managers, but I would simply say this. The United States market was down 15 to 30 percent, depending on whether it's NASDAQ or the Dow Jones. Gee, I would think um, if we avoid a recession, the U.S. market is going to do very well. And uh, what do you think the odds are of avoiding a recession? Look, uh, again, I will defer to uh, the expertise on the panel, but uh, I've got a feeling that so far the Fed tightening has not produced a massive, pronounced slowdown. And I'm not sure that it will. I think things look relatively good here. Well, uh, that sounds uh, quite positive. Um, so I think it's a good uh, place to end uh, at the end of the week on a positive note. And I'd like to thank uh, Andrew Ferris, who's calling in from Uruguay. He's CEO of the Cognis Advisory, but he's usually in Hong Kong. Uh, Barry Wood, RTHK's international economic correspondent, who's sitting in Washington, D.C. And Hans Goethe, who's sitting in Singapore, and he's the founder and CEO of HG Research. Anyway, to look at things um, today, well, maybe... Uh, Barry's right because the Australian market is slightly up. We're looking at uh, being up about a, a fifth there uh, this morning. Uh, and on the futures market, Hong Kong's looking up, uh, being up about a third of a percent. Uh, and the Nikkei is um, looking up to, to be about a, a fifth. So markets at least on the more positive side of things. 567 AM Radio 3. Anyway, dear listeners, it's time for this program to head off for the weekend and you to head off to work after listening to Backchat, of course. Uh, Peter Lewis returns on Monday to anchor Money Talk, which means I don't have to set the alarm for 4 AM. I'm Richard Harris, and this has been Money Talk. Have a great weekend. Uh, just to look at the weather, it's going to be mainly cloudy, dry and cool, sunny periods during the day. Temperature in urban areas will fall appreciably from about 17 degrees during the day to around 13 degrees at night. Currently 15 degrees and 62% relative humidity. 
And now the half-hour news with Barry O'Rourke. Firefighters have put out a blaze in a village in Chun Wan. The fire broke out in Wang Lung Chun just after four o'clock this morning. It was upgraded to a third alarm about 40 minutes later. Around 100 people were evacuated from their homes as firefighters fought the blaze with six jets and six breathing apparatus teams. Two people were sent to Yan Chai Hospital for treatment and the fire was extinguished at around seven o'clock. Turning overseas, the International Criminal Court is resuming its investigation into the war on drugs waged by the former Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte, which is believed to have killed thousands of people. The court said it wasn't satisfied that the Philippines was undertaking relevant investigations. The BBC's Will Leonardo has more. The International Criminal Court's original probe was opened in 2021 but was swiftly put on hold after Manila requested a deferral. The Hague-based court now says promised domestic investigations that were the basis of that request have fallen short. Mr Duterte came to power in 2016, exporting across the Philippines a brutal style of countering drugs trafficking he'd honed while mayor of Davao City. While Mr Duterte has denied reports of police death squads, the government's own figures say more than 6,000 people have died. The US Justice Department says it's shut down a prolific ransomware operation named Hive, which had targeted over 1,500 victims worldwide and extorted over 100 million US dollars. The BBC's James Clayton has more. We hacked the hackers. That's how the FBI has described an operation which appears to have taken down one of the most notorious global hacker groups. News of the takedown first leaked on Thursday morning when Hive's website was replaced with a flashing message that said the FBI has seized this site as part of a coordinated law enforcement action taken against Hive ransomware. Hive targeted international businesses, encrypting their data and demanding massive cryptocurrency payments in return. The FBI said the group had targeted 1,500 organizations and its intervention has thwarted about 130 million dollars in ransom payments. Five former police officers in Memphis, Tennessee have been taken into custody, charged with second-degree murder over the death of a black man who died three days after a traffic stop. The family of 29-year-old Tyree Nichols was shown body cam video ahead of its release tomorrow. Lawyers said he was kicked, punched and tasered less than 100 metres from his home. The officers, who are black, were fired last Friday. Steve Mulroy is the district attorney of Shelby County. Earlier today, the grand jury returned indictments against five former Memphis Police Department officers regarding the death of Tyree Nichols. They are currently in custody. While each of the five individuals played a different role in the incident in question, the actions of all of them resulted in the death of Tyree Nichols, and they are all responsible. Relatives of some of the 346 people killed in two Boeing 737-MAX plane crashes in Indonesia and Ethiopia four years ago are in court in Texas to confront representatives of the aircraft maker. The company is due to be arraigned on criminal charges despite a settlement with the U.S. Justice Department that gave Boeing immunity from prosecution. The BBC's Samira Hussain has more. The families never agreed to the settlement that Boeing had struck with the Department of Justice. Boeing had to pay two and a half billion dollars in fines, but that wasn't enough for family members who believed that they just basically walked away and families never got any justice. So what's important about this particular court case is this is the first time that Boeing is going to be arraigned in a court and they will have to enter a plea of guilty or not guilty. Boeing pleaded not guilty to a fraud conspiracy felony charge. The U.S. economy recorded another quarter of strong growth at the end of 2022, but momentum appears to be slowing. 
Gross domestic product was up almost 3%, but retail sales are weakening as last year's increases in interest rates put the brakes on consumer demand. The BBC's Michelle Fleury reports. The American economy grew at a faster rate than expected in the final three months of 